The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Thank you very much. You are listening to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock this evening. Between now and then, we are going to attempt to cut through the spin and bring you all the detail that actually matters in Budget 2024. Michael McGrath. The minister uh, who uh, unveiled the details in the House a little bit earlier today uh, described it as marking a step change in how the country plans for the future. And he said he was delivering it against a backdrop of global uncertainty. Objectively speaking, I mean, if you stand back and just look at the sheer scale of spending, it is extraordinary. People keep talking about this budget package of 6.4 billion. It's actually a budget package of about 14 billion. The core tax and spending package is 6.4 billion. There's 4 billion for Ukrainian refugees and the long tail of COVID. There's 2.7 billion for one-off cost of living measures. And there is the establishment of the Future Ireland Fund and the Infrastructure, Climate and Nature Fund. What has all that got to do I don't know what that has to do with the tournament as a whole. But anyway, what has that got to do with the price of a bag of spuds is what you might actually be asking. That is what we are going to uh, try to find out uh, between now and seven, how this actually impacts uh, you and uh, the pocket. Uh, so with me in studio uh, to kick things off in that regard, uh, John Lee, who's executive editor of the Daily Mail Group Ireland, Emmett Oliver, our own business correspondent, Tanya Ward, the CEO of the Children's Rights Alliance. Uh, you're all very, very welcome, folks. Um, Emmett, I might start with you. Talk us through so the, the, the big headline-grabbing matters. That we're yeah, a few, a few headlines. There's a lot of stuff in this. The general theme is free money all over the place and lots of beneficiaries. If you aren't getting something from today's budget, there is literally something wrong, as in you, you don't exist because they're hitting you on a number of touch points. First of all, the tax, we're going to see USC drop down from 4% or 2-4% from 45 That sounds small, but it's quite big. You'll only hit the top rate of tax at €42,000, which again was way too high and out of sync with a lot of other countries. A controversial one, a lot of people think it's questionable, but it's their mortgage tax relief. Making it very simple, if you have a mortgage and your interest rate has gone up, we thought it was going to be just for tracker mortgage holders, but it seems to be all three, so variables and those who eventually come to fix. That will be 1250 So on basically most people's mortgages, about a month's payment, effectively over a year, give or take. Obviously, people have different size mortgages. People up to 500000 though, will qualify. So if your house, your mortgage was 500 maybe 600 when you first took it out, you qualify. So a lot of reasonably middle class people will get in on that if they can show that they have a loss on interest rates. Uh, the bank levy has doubled up to 200 million, so the bankers won't be happy about that. We've also got a 12 euro rise in welfare rates and the pension. We've also got uh, an extra child benefit payment. College fees have been halved to one and a half thousand euros. And as you said, two giant sovereign wealth funds effectively have been set up. One of them, we're told, will go to eventually consist of 100 billion which seems an extraordinary figure. We're not Qatar uh, or Dubai just yet, but these are big numbers. That's for the future, depending on how much they put in. So all around, you've got money going all over the place. They do have the money. They are running a giant surplus of about $8 billion this year, and they're going to do the same again yes, uh, next year, according to their own forecast. So they have their road, they have the wriggle room to do all these measures, mm. and the average person is going to be a lot better off. Some people work it out at about €800 Euros, uh, in total, depending on what you are. But there's huge measures in here. A lot of them aren't means-tested. There's a lot of lack of targeting here um, across the, the board. A lot of it's just general stuff, people getting it regardless of income. They'll say it takes too long to put this together and you slow things down and all the usual reasons. But a critique of it would be the lack of targeting. Lots of very middle class and reasonably comfortable people are going to benefit from this. And is it sort of an Sinn Féin insulating budget? They've got about a year and a bit before there's an election. 
is this an attempt to sort of insulate the Sinn Féin rise mm. with these measures? But what the Irish public might do is simply bank all these gains and say, we're still voting for them anyway. Well, the good questions to put to John Lee then. Uh, John, is that how we should interpret this budget? Um, last year, I, I, I gave it a thumbs up, the, the budget. Um, this one, you know, I always try and contextualise it in that we do have a spend of about 90 billion a year. So in that context, it's, it's a smaller um, allocation of money. Of course, to people that benefit from it, some very needy aspects of, or parts of society, it, it is very important. But I think often where it's more important is the political message it sends. Now, this budget spends less on health than it did last year. Um, if you're a family waiting to get a scoliosis operation for your child or anything else, it, it is not a very encouraging mes- message. There isn't one new scheme in, in, in health, for instance. Uh, there isn't one new scheme in housing, bar messing around with a few help to buy extend, extensions of them. I did bump into government TDs, always a very quick way of doing a focus group and they are underwhelmed. I met a person from the Department of, of Health was um, red, red in the face from anger at the what they felt <clears throat> has been a message from the Department of Public Expenditure, Fine Gael, Department of Public Expenditure Minister, Pascal Donoghue, that they need to get themselves under control and all this leaking that's gone on and usually from that department in the run-up to this that health was somehow overrunning. There is Mm. no way of running the health service without putting a lot of money into it. They put less money into it. I found that very surprising. Um, When you say they're insulating against... uh, against Sorry, were they to be insulating against Sinn Féin? That is a question. They haven't really done it here. Uh, So that overall overriding political message as was received by government TDs today was not a positive one. Uh, They felt it was very conservative. I myself sitting through one and a half hours, maybe that's a mistake that they give them 45 minutes each um, that could be reviewed. Um, But one's bum does start to get sore and you start to get a little less uh, uh, accommodating of what you're listening to. Mm. And I felt Pascal Dunne who was padding out his speech. Say this, it's always the minute that illustrates um, the, the, the grand. There was a reference, say, for instance, as you sit there, you personalise it, to cycle lanes. We will put loads of money into cycle lanes and we're about to open up um, a, a cycle lane uh, cross-border, which is going to be a great thing. Actually, there's no p- place in a budget in, in a budget proposal of 45 minutes because that's something that's been done before. Yeah. And I sat there thinking of... A, that's of a, not an element of budget 2024. I am yeah. getting to a point here that... I, I sat there thinking of a proposed cycle na- lane in my part of the world. I live in Donabate. It's across the bay from Malahide, where I'm from. For 15 years, we've been waiting for a, a, a cycle lane. The money has been allocated. The planning is there. They recently told us, I was told, that they couldn't do it because of uh, uh, concerns over um, uh, migrating birds for more than three months a, a year. So what this says when it says we're going to allocate money to uh, um, bike lanes, they understand that they can't execute those those monetary uh, allocations and they can't execute further in housing. They can't execute in health. Um, So they put a less amount of money into health. They put a similar amount of money into into housing. And I do understand that it's infrastructural building and housing and everything else. But if you're sending a message that immediately allows... Pascal, uh, sorry, Pierce Doherty to stand up in the doll and say this was supposed to be a renter's budget but in fact it's a landlord's budget. You've lost that battle at, at the outset. I thought Pierce Doherty's uh, con- contribution in response to the two um, 
the, the two finance ministers was extremely incisive uh, and, I, I, and very politically effective. To me, I felt this budget was an acceptance of we're going to get our asses kicked in the next general election and let's just wait for Sinn Féin. That, that's what it said to me. It was, it was lacklustre, uh, unimaginative, bar a couple of, I think, very, mm. very astute political schemes that have come from probably less less glamorous or, or acknowledged as, 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 as um, uh, in the fashion that they should be, I think, in, in Cabinet. Norma Foley's book scheme will be one of those historically acclaimed schemes for, particularly for um, uh, certain sections of our, of, our, of, our, of our socioeconomic groupings. Similarly, the school meals. The Heather Humphreys is going to extend that to a thousand schools, hot school meals for every school child in a thousand schools by this time next year. All right. Well, listen, don't go anywhere, John, because uh, Tanya Ward, I mentioned as well, is with us, the CEO of the Children's Rights Alliance. Tanya, what were you looking for? Remind us in today's budget and what did you get? Well, look, we were looking for the extension of hot school meals. We were looking for uh, free school books at post-primary levels. Of course, we're delighted to see that. And actually, uh, John John is right. This will be seen introducing uh, free school books at second level. People will ask, why didn't we do this sooner? Um, it has an enormous, puts enormous pressure on families every September. And we know what happens for most families. What's going on is they, they buy the books, they pay the school subscription. Uh, and the thing that they scrimp on is after school's activities. So there are children that live a half-life because of these uh, additional costs. I mean, the, the investment that um, Heather Humphreys made into uh, the school meals programme, to be honest, that surpassed our expectations. We didn't realise she was going to go as far as that. She's saying she that... She read the Daily Mail this morning. Is, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> She's, she said that she wants to see 75% of primary schools providing hot school meals. Again, that's the norm north of the border. It's the norm in other countries in, in Europe. And it's going to get to uh, rural schools because one of the problems with the DESH programme is it's often concentrated in urban areas and half the children in poverty are in the rural parts of the country. So I think they're probably two of the standout items in the budget. But I think overall it's services for children and maybe, as you say, not in the health area, but it's services for children that, that do best because the other piece that you see coming through is, you know, help with the cost of childcare, 25% by next September and also uh, Roger Gorman is going to announce a, a DESH programme, the beginnings of a DESH programme at early years. Four and a half million, look, we'd love to have seen a bit more but the fact that they've announced it because in countries that have these DESH type early years programmes, the outcomes for children are just, you know, it, 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 the, the evidence mm. is really clear. You're, you're less likely to drop out of school. You're more likely to have a good job. You're more likely to um, have a good house. You're less likely to need the social welfare system to, to, he- to, to help you out. So they are very sensible things, I think, that the government has done in this budget. But on the on the flip side, yeah. what, 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 could, what the, could they have done better? I think it's on the income side. I mean, there's a a lot of one-off type payments. So, um, you know, double child benefit payments. I mean, lots of families listening to this will be happy with that. But we probably would have preferred to see that targeted to people on the lowest incomes because um, for children on welfare payments, they're going to get an extra four euros a week. Now, if you're lucky, it's the milk budget for the day. You get a couple, maybe a pair of socks for a child. It, it doesn't go far enough, we think, for people on the very lowest incomes because we have situations where families are living on toast for three evenings a week um, and, and this is like this broad sweet measure that everyone's going to benefit mm. from. One of the other things I think that they have done, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a sensible thing to do is if you're on low incomes um, you and you're working, you can get what's called the work and family payment. Um, they're saying you can earn an extra 45 euros 
euros before a week before losing that payment. So that's a good thing. That's what you want to see is people on the lowest incomes benefiting from this do, budget. Do, do you suspect there was a reluctance from government to target child benefit because it 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 flies in the face of the old argument of universality, that it begins to introduce a little bit of means testing. It undermines the principle slightly. I mean, in previous years, and actually we as a sector have not recommended investing into child benefit. Um, and we recommend that we, we, we've gone that direction because all the advice is if you put it into services, your money goes further as a country. Mm. You get a better you get a better outcome. Um, and for a lot of families, it's not income that's the issue. But there are some families that don't have basic dignity in everyday life. They are making horrible decisions about uh, what they can put on the table. Um, and they shouldn't be put in that particular uh, position. So that's why they should have gone in that direction. I do think, though, I think it's it's bigger. It's a bigger piece about who has the right to vote. Um, and coming up to the budget, like we as a sector have been talking to each other about, we need to get 16 and 17 year olds voting because that just does a big, it does make a big difference to politicians. I mean, they want to do the right thing. And you can see that in a lot of these measures. They have done the right thing, mm. but they also help with, you know, the next general election and with the public as well. No, so, <laughs> so, 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 I don't buy that. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do. I do think you know. Do people on welfare vote? That you know. That that's the question. Uh, you know. I think. I think. I think that matters when some of these decisions are being made. To me, to me there's a huge economic risk in all this. Right? Inflation is at six point three percent, right? Which affects everyone. From mm. what you're talking about, Tanya, what John is talking about, everyone, right? And they've fired in another six point four. They're billion. saying two point nine percent. They expect ex- uh, inflation sure, to be right? at next yeah. year. But the, none of these measures have dripped in yet, so we don't really know. These yeah. are just forecasts, right? Can you imagine going to the electorate next year and saying, yeah, I did, we did all the things you wanted, but inflation is stuck at 4, 5, 6%, while our friends in France, Germany, Spain are much lower. So this has a bit of a ring of the 1970s, which they're trying to cure the cost of living crisis. Yeah. And their cure is to fire various payments and all sorts of things. And maybe they're right. Maybe inflation will go down and all will be well. But who's going to get the blame if it doesn't go down, even though they are well-intentioned in many respects? Mm. The CPI is at 6.3%. Is anyone in this studio happy with the 6.3%? Well, listen, they, 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 if that does happen, they cannot claim that they were not warned because there are financial and uh, economic advisory bodies. You could line them up between here and Timbuktu telling the government yeah. that these plans were not the right plans and they pursued them anyway. Uh, one of our listeners... Um, says, uh, Kieran, can anyone tell me why it's wrong that middle class people benefit? We pay more tax and literally cover all the free stuff people expect. Why not benefit? It's time I get more of what I work hard for. That's what Caroline says. Another says, can you please ask somebody about the loans available to people to complete energy upgrades announced in the budget? Well, I'll tell you who will know all about that is Eamon Ryan, the Green Party leader uh, and uh, senior cabinet minister who's going to be my guest a little bit later. Uh, Emmett and John are going to stay with me. Tanya, thank you for joining us here in studio. Tanya Ward, uh, the CEO of the Children's Rights Alliance. We're going to be back in a moment. Louise O'Reilly from Sinn Féin will be with me. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk. Lara in Dublin's after getting in touch on 087 1400 106. Why would the government implement Sinn Féin policies and give them a head start should Sinn Féin get into government? By not doing so, it would be very hard for a Sinn Féin government to ramp up social house building sufficiently within a single government term. So says Lara in Dublin. I'm not sure as Lara suggesting the government have or haven't implemented Sinn Féin policies today but I know who to ask Louise O'Reilly Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Fingal and the party spokesperson on workers' rights enterprise trade and employment uh, Louise is this the Sinn Féin budget? No it's very much not uh, as you can see from the complete and abject failure to address the housing crisis um, they talked it up a lot 
they did an awful lot of talking uh, in advance of the budget. They talked a lot about housing and how they recognised that that was the issue of the uh, the issue of our generation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is not a housing budget. This is not a budget for renters. As Pierce Doherty quite rightly pointed out today, this is a budget for landlords and it will not do anything for those people who are, for the hundreds of thousands of people who are stuck in their parents' uh, back bedroom because they simply cannot afford to move out, for people aspiring to home ownership, for people who want social and need social and affordable housing. There was nothing in this budget for them. No new measures, nothing new, just more of the same. And we know what more of the same has got us. More of the same has got us to the, the greatest housing crisis the state has ever faced. More of the same gets us more Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and Green policies. More of the same gets us more child homelessness. More of the same gets us more people living in their parents' back bedrooms and stuck there. More of the same gets us more of the same and that's just not good enough. Uh, rent relief has been extended uh, 500 euro to 750 and the rent tax relief as well uh, for landlords, that will benefit renters is what government will say. I'm sure Pascal Donoghue, who's going to be with me after five o'clock, will suggest exactly that. And indeed, Minister Donoghue knows very, very well that without putting in place a ban on rent increases, what's going to happen simply is that money will transfer directly from government into the pockets of landlords. They will increase the rent. We have seen that even in the uh, even outside the rent pressure zones. It's bad enough. But within the rent pressure zones, we see, um, you know, massive hikes in the rent. All that's going to happen because this is, you know, and to, to answer your caller there, is this a Sinn Féin budget? What they do is they take measures that Sinn Féin has well worked out and costed and they uh, they fail to deliver on those. So obviously we have for years been saying there is a need to introduce a renter's tax credit. We won that argument with the government. They did it. But of course, it's a low rent version of what we would have introduced. And this won't make a difference uh, in the lives of renters. This will make a difference in the lives of landlords. And I don't think that that's where the government's focus should have been. Um, do you or can you understand, because John was talking before the break about um, a perceived lack of investment in health, that there hasn't been an increase in the health budget, uh, while one is arguably very necessary, that there are no new schemes announced uh, within the remit of that department today. And I guess the uh, perception or the analysis today uh, thus far has been that it is kind of Pascal Donoghue uh, wagging his finger at Stephen Donnelly across the cabinet table and Robert Bott, get your house in order before I give you any more money. Yeah, and of course the victims in all of this are the children who are waiting for scoliosis operations. Uh, Pierce Doherty and Rose Conway Walsh raised the issue of scoliosis today in the response to the minister's budget. You know, there has to be a mechanism by which we judge uh, the government and we judge the intervention. Uh, this will, uh, if anything, it's going to make our health service less responsive and make our waiting times longer. So not only is there not enough for new measures and new measures are so desperately required, but they tried to pull the wool out of our, over our eyes and pretend that there were going to be additional beds, beds that have been announced already. So there are no new measures in this. There isn't arguably enough in this budget to keep the health service at a standstill. And remember now, at a standstill and where the health service is now is... Uh, nearly a million people waiting for procedures, nearly a million people stuck on waiting lists. And, you know, the the crisis for people who are dependent on our health service, who are waiting for diagnostics, who are waiting on interventions, who are stuck on these waiting lists, who can't see a general practitioner, who can't get therapies for their children. Not only will that crisis continue after this budget, that crisis is going to get worse. So in our alternative budget, Sinn Féin set out a comprehensive plan as to how we would increase investment in our health service, but target it at those who need it and ensure that we delivered beds. There's nothing in the capital or the uh, the current expenditure that will deliver uh, any additional beds and more beds are most definitely needed. Would you at least commend the government for establishing the Future Ireland Fund and the Infrastructure, Climate and Nature Fund? Well, let's have a look and see. The devil's going to be in the detail with these funds. And again, big on announcements, short on 
delivery. We've seen that time and time again. So we will see what the proposals are for these uh, for these funds. We'll see what if there's if there is going to be targeted measures because again, what's the hallmark of this? It's all a bit back of the envelope, last minute job. Uh, nothing seems to be targeted. Nothing seems to be uh, well worked out. Um, so we'll see from these funds where they're going to go and what the targeting, if any, will be. Andrew says, why in a country with full employment are we raising the dole rate? There's a job for anyone who wants one. Uh, well, Andrew, there's always churn, as they call it, uh, within the employment industry. And if you don't increase it because of inflation, which we've been talking about, it's an effective cut uh, in people's uh, welfare and their living standards. But Adrian Cummins is with me. He's on the line, the CEO of the Restaurants Association. Uh, Adrian, uh, what is your reaction to the measures announced today in the budget and how it will impact your members? Uh, good evening. The impact for our members, I think the reaction across uh, the country from small businesses and hospitality sector is disappointing. Um, I don't think this budget uh, has gone far enough at all in, in supporting small businesses in the hospitality spe- sector in terms of energy costs, in terms of all of the business increases that coming down the tracks in 2024 for businesses. Uh, I do acknowledge that the government has set aside a fund in terms of reduction in commercial rates. But as everybody knows, those businesses that don't need that fund will get it. And those businesses that will need it probably won't get it at all. So we need to see all of these, this in more detail. But it is deeply disappointing that one of the biggest employers in, in the country in terms of hospitality and tourism got a small, got little or no recognition at all in this budget. Uh, Glenn says, hi all, I am, to put it mildly, devastated by Budget 2024. I am 41, I'm single, I'm a homeowner, won't get the interest relief though. Salary 34,900, I'll only get about 26 euro extra from the budget. Now in all fairness, what the hell can you get with 26 euro? And so says Glenn. Uh, John Lee from the uh, Daily Mail. John, is one of the things the government guilty of uh, today that they built up expectations, that you had the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council and the ESRI and you had other people warning them not to give away too much. And and the narrative was that the government were going to ignore them. Ergo, the implication, they are going to give away an awful lot. And there's then an expectation amongst the public that they're going to get significant benefit from the budget. I, I don't want to you know, um, annoy anyone in this station and annoy my the people who are putting together my paper, but I just annoy them away, I just don't know if it has the impact it used to have or or whether it ever did. It's it's something of an anachronism the, the budget in the sense that and with the with the evolution of news the news cycle it it it, it maybe blame the leaks that go on. I don't know if they necessarily are uh, that an awful lot of it has been flagged. I think the disappointment will, as I said earlier, will come from the overall me- message that it seems to send. And it just look it just looks, and this is, my, without going into the minutiae, which I can if you want, but, you know, it, it just looks a bit lacklustre. Mm. And as I said, to, to leave the, the, those two, two great issues of our generation almost untouched health and housing just says that, that, that in those areas they've given up to a degree. But there's also an understanding, as I said earlier... And would they not say that, well, it's not that we've given up, it's that we have a housing plan, housing for all, and we think it's it's working. Well, it, it plainly isn't. Now, um, there, there will be an allocation later on to the LDA, but I'm yet to see any, any, any actual execution in the LDA. But say, if, if, you look at, if you look at just... And I think they're, they're they're understanding some of the problems they have. Say, for instance, there's a there's a there's a, there's a fairly woolly line there on we're going to give money to recruit a thousand guardy um, next year. Now there are guards going into into the the guard press office won't help us on this, but there are anecdotal claims that people are going in 
to say you issue invitations for 100 Gardaí to come and accept their role in Templemore. Um, we had a story last weekend where in some instances, one month, uh, less than 50% take up that invitation. Mm. Then they go into Templemore and they don't finish the course, which is understandable in, a, in any course. So to say we're going to have a 1,000 um, Gardaí next year, Templemore doesn't have the capacity to execute that that proposal. Um there's there's a there's more, there's a there's a line in there, and I'm just struggling to get through the, the document. I should have marked it better, but say we're we're going to put an extra say whatever what I think it's about 250 million into Creekonaha and re, re, um, and restoring void um, properties yeah. in cities that has resolutely failed in the three years they've been in government. And don't forget, Fine Gael have been over a decade trying to deal with that issue and they haven't. So there's, a, there's an understanding then I think really in the health budget where we've decided not to give any more money because last year there was a, there was a culmination I think of two or three years in a row where they had given additional funding to allow a, an, an increased number of children get free GP visits mm. and every GP in the country will tell you I don't have the capacity to do that. So there was absolutely no fear of them doing that again. Is that, is that the so argument against increasing the health budget is that is that they have increased it year on year they continued to do so and the outcomes haven't changed. So why continue to do I mean the, what is it the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result again I go back to and, and, and I might be getting a bit boring on it as I say I just think I, I think the budget often is 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 inclined to send a message that if you if, if with a small amount of money for instance you can bring in that that, that um uh, hot meals scheme, which I think is extremely innovative and is probably what what will be remembered in this budget along with free books. You don't need a huge amount of money. There was a lack of imagination in many areas that wasn't present last year, I must say, that I think when there was political pressure there from Sinn Féin, um, Sinn Féin came up with the unfortunately cockamamie idea to give unlimited um, um, uh, allowance to people for fuel bills, which mm-hmm. amazingly they, they they had taken that policy off the, the Tory government, which they collapsed true, itself on it. That's not so. True. It was, there were, there there were was very political... clear differences between the two. Sorry, I won't let that go. There were very clear differences between the two, and what we had talked about doing was a limited time-bound intervention to cap energy costs. For it would have transferred a huge amount of exchequer funds to energy companies. And it would have been targeted and it would have been time-limited. It had a flavour of the Tory party about it, it. It actually didn't and there were stark differences between those two policies. So, you know, I mean, we have said this often and we will keep saying it. Well, listen, this it was last year's that, anyway. But that proposed. was last year. <laughs> yeah. But as I said, the, the political pressure that came from Sinn Féin, for instance, on those costs of living issues had, had a good result. And ultimately, an intelligent scheme came out of that with a with a with a huge number of payments. I don't think the government ca- capitalised on that on that politically, and I don't think they bowed to the political pressure that still exists on housing and health. And if you notice, Sinn Fein have stayed very much out of the argument on the on the justice issues because they feel, and this is not a criticism criticism, they feel the big issues fi- facing their constituents and those people they hold for vote for them are housing and health. And again, you get down to justice, John, John, and there's very little yeah, Emma, there at all to John, deal with justice. John, do you not think the only reason any of us are sitting here analysing this budget and the spending that was made was because they've got a huge pot of gold from the multinational companies, right? They would actually be in the deficit if they did and have the windfall gains. Now, keeping that going is going to be a, one problem, but also the words protect people, insulate people. You go back to expectations, right? A lot of this stuff will never be able to be clawed back now. The mortgage interest relief is for a year. Good luck to them trying to claw that back next year if interest rates haven't dropped. And that right? again was from political so, pressure from yeah, Sinn Féin. Sure, that's but another, the point I'm trying to make is you're talking about expectation. You, it's very hard to roll back 
public expectation. And their expectation is now that everything from high food prices to school books to train fares, you'll be insulated mm. from rises in those things. Now, my parents, if they were listening, would say, we didn't get any of this stuff back in the 80s or 90s. Not that that's no, it's a better thing that we've moved on from them. But the point I'm really doing, trying to get across is the expectations are absolutely skyward now. And how does a future administration, whatever party that might be, if they have to, if the multinational golden egg no longer lays... God help the next political generation trying to pull some of this stuff back because it ain't going to be easy. Louise, you wanted to jump in there. And well, just justice. in relation to, uh, well, it's not just in relation oh, okay. to justice, in relation to all of those matters because actually it all comes back to housing. Now, I mean, I run constituency clinics of two offs, one in Sores and one in Balbriggan. They are incredibly busy. I have in recent times had public servants, Gardaí, nurses, etc. come into me. They are really, really struggling. On their wages, they cannot afford to live near where they work, even remotely near where they work. And that's if they're lucky enough to get somewhere I have had members of the Defence Forces and Gardaí in with me who are facing having to go to emergency accommodation. So the failure of this government to tackle the housing crisis impacts on every single aspect of society. We had a a session recently at the Enterprise Trade and Employment Committee. We heard from the Chambers, we heard from IBEC, other business representative organisations. Every single one of them cited the housing crisis as the biggest impediment, not just to them being able to grow, but to be able to sustain their current levels of uh, their current levels yeah. of activity. So it is, it, it has its finger into everything. The, the the cold, dead hand of the housing crisis is abs- it's in every home, it's in every village, every town, every company, yeah. every business and it's impacting on everyone. This should have been a housing budget. It is a question I'd have not. about this Infrastructure Climate and Nature Fund. It is good to future-proof but there's an argument that when it comes to infrastructure, the future-proofing is actually building infrastructure today, not setting money aside to build infrastructure in the future. Yeah, particularly dis- we that have, was very disappointing. But we have such infrastructural deficits. Well, um, I'd like to see them say we're the economy. starting today Yes. We're not just putting in the fund for the <laughs> next downturn. And when I say starting, I don't mean sticking a shovel in the ground, but get the legislation passed, set up the organisations behind it, actually say what the measures and the, the actions are going to be. I thought that was We'll try and get some detail on that from Pascal Dunhu and Eamon Ryan uh, later in the show. After the break, we're going to find out exactly how the personal finance changes today will impact you listening at home. In the meantime, can I thank John Lee, Emmett Oliver and Louise O'Reilly. Thank you all very, very much uh, for coming into studio. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk. Well, we mentioned housing there uh, in, in a number of different uh, guises. Marion Finnegan is with me. She's the managing director of Sherry Fitzgerald. Uh, Marion, you're welcome to the show. What is uh, your expert assessment of uh, the measures announced today? I suppose there's a lot of wide-ranging um, measures there that will improve the cost of living, uh, I think, and the challenges that we've seen across the wider economy. But if I just put my, my property hat on, there's some positive measures. We have seen the extension of the help to buy, which is good. We've seen um, the extension of the tax liability date for the residential zone tax, which is good. They're engaging and that's positive. However, I suppose something that we have been saying for some time is that when you think of the housing crisis, and we definitely have the worst housing crisis in Ireland, when you, there's housing crisis everywhere, but we have a particularly uh, challenging market and it's most challenging for those in the rental sector. And as, as such, I suppose we did anticipate and there was a lot of discussion about changes to the treatment of private small landlords in the marketplace. They're an essential part of a functioning housing mm. market. And what we've seen sounded good initially, improvements in terms of tax credits, and it sounded good 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. But the nub of it is actually it only equates to saving in year one of about 600 euros and up to a maximum of 1,000 euros in terms of tax outages for your um, landlords. When you see the numbers of landlords leaving the marketplace, and we estimate that this year it will be in the order of about 15,000 tenancies 
we will lose because of landlords leaving the marketplace, that simply is not enough in order to address what is a really, really critical problem for so the property market. The, 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 the tax break for those landlords is a good idea. The nature mm-hmm. of it, the conditions attached, it sounds like you're relatively happy with. It just doesn't go far enough in terms of scope exactly. and scale. Is that it? Exactly. I mean, the concept of, of saying that it should be over a three or four year period, I agree with that. That's a good idea yeah. in order to retain people in the marketplace. The idea of a tax credit is a good idea. But a tax credit that only amounts to €600, Euros, not enough. Uh, particularly when you see the level of tax that a lot of people are paying up to 51% of their rent, rent over 50% of their rental income in tax. This is not going to alter their decision to sell property. And what we saw at the beginning of the year was that uh, moratorium on um, landlords leaving the marketplace effectively by, the, by uh, the change in treatment and then a lot of discussion around there will be tax changes for landlords. And what we expected after that ceased was that we could see a lot more landlords leaving. Mm. And we didn't. It remained stable at around 35%. My fear is that people will now be incredibly disappointed with this and more landlords will leave. And, you know, it's very easy for people to flippantly say, you know, the challenges for people who are trying to rent. They're trying to rent accommodation if that stock isn't improved. Their position isn't improved by simply improving their rental credits because if you have nothing to rent, then it is of mm. no benefit to you. Uh, one of our listeners says, well, I know there's still issues with housing. I can't understand why the media are so critical of this budget. People that work hard and families are at last getting something back. And even what's being given to us comes with restrictions on current earnings, mortgage balance, etc. For once, can we not say this is a good budget for the workers? Without the PAYE worker, the country would be on its knees. Somebody else, though, says my household will be up eight euro a week, less than if we were both on the dole and our windfall will be eaten up by rent and fuel increases. 087-1400-106 is the number. Thank you to Marion Finnegan from Sherry Fitzgerald. Donal O'Keefe is with me now, CEO of the Licensed Vintners Association, the LVA. Donal, how do today's measures impact you and your members? Well, let's start with what we like. We're very encouraged by the announcement of a 1,000 extra Gardaí to be recruited, a 25% increase in the Garda overtime bill, uh, 250 uh, workers to come into the Gardaí to release more Gardaí onto the the beat. We think it's critically important for our capital city that there is a sustained high-visibility Garda presence to uh, address the, per, the, the issues around perceptions of safety and public order in our city. That's a really welcome development. We've been talking to government about that since last June, and we're really pleased to see that in place. Um, obviously, the, gov- the budget has also announced a €250 million Euro business support scheme. We have no detail yet on that. Uh, there is some media speculation that it'll be related to your commercial rates bill and that it'll be easy to access. Uh, from our point of view, there's two things that matter. Is it a bureaucratic nightmare like TBS was or is it going to be a straightforward application? And then B, what's the level of actual financial support? So while the concept of a support scheme for business is very welcome and the government recognition that our costs are extremely high and the government policy is driving our costs, mm. The detail of how the government is proposing to respond to this still is still awaited okay. and proof uh, proof in the pudding in that regard. So, yeah, what what, what are the missed opportunities then today? Well, we're, we're we're very disappointed that alcohol excise has not been cut in this budget. We have the highest alcohol excises in Europe. 
In addition to that, we pay 23% VAT on top of the excise. Government gets about a third of the retail price of every drink sold in a pub at a time when the exchequer finances are strong, at a time when we're trying to improve the competitiveness of the hospitality sector and our tourism sector. Not cutting excise is certainly a missed opportunity, and particularly in the context where we've seen a 50% increase in the VAT rate on food. So government tax policy on hospitality is penal and uh, we were hopeful that this year's budget might address excise and uh, obviously it didn't do so. Donald O'Keefe is the CEO of the LVA, the Licensed Vintners Association. Donald, thank you very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.